Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, depending on where you are in the world and when you are listening to this podcast. Welcome to the Doc Bryant Show. I am your host, Doc Bryant. Why, Doc? Because I was a United States Navy and Marine Corps combat corpsman for six years. And Doc is what they call us. Doc is the name that is tattooed on my soul. Folks, I've been talking to you a lot lately about the culture war and about the assault on our children via the pride community and their attempt to sacrifice our children on the altar of their God. But we cannot ignore the political goings-on. And there have been some pretty big political things going on that uh, I'm going to cover today. Do keep in mind that I do not uh, talk about these things in order to discourage you. If you are a Christian, as I am, then nothing, you know that nothing is ever outside of God's control. And you also know that we have a very powerful weapon at our disposal, that being prayer. And if I push anything on this show... It is the importance of praying Christians. And the reason that I bring all of these issues to light is to give praying Christians targets. And I know that there are those out there who say, well, God's going to do what he's going to do, and we just need to sit back and let this stuff happen. And for those of you... I say, you can go ahead and stop listening to this podcast right now. If that's the way you feel, then you're, while you may indeed be a Christian, and that's all well and good, and you're going to heaven, and that's wonderful, you, if you're not praying, then you are useless on the spiritual battlefield. So, you know, find yourself another podcast. Uh, as Christians, we are called to pray. We are called to pray in resistance to Satan. We are called to resist Satan because that makes him flee. And I submit to you that the evil things in the world occur when the church becomes useless, when it becomes stagnant, when it decides that it is not going to get involved. And that is what causes the evil to expand in the world, as we are seeing right now. Now, as I have pointed out in previous episodes, the good news is I think that the massive assault that we are seeing 
from Satan right now in the Western culture is a response to a worldwide revival that is going on, ironically, everywhere but the United States. You see little sparks of it in the United States. It's trying to get started. But again, I think because the church is not actively praying for it, it's having trouble getting rolling. And that's the first thing that we need to be praying for here in this country and in the West, folks, is we need to be praying for revival. We need to be praying for an awakening. We need to be praying for the Holy Spirit to, to cover this nation, to burn through this nation like a wildfire. That's what we need to be praying for first and foremost, to get people awake with the Holy Spirit and to get people, those people who are awakened, to get them praying against Satan and cause Satan to flee. That's what we need to be doing. I don't know if we are doing that. It seems like we might be starting to. But again, I see this massive assault by Satan as an attempt to try to maintain his hold on the West and his push towards a one-world global government that will force people to worship him, that will force people away from God. And that is his ultimate end. And we see that being played out in the material world, both in the culture war, which I have been covering most recently with the push of the pride community and the assault of the pride community on our children specifically. But we're also seeing it get played out in politics. Now, again, the good news is that if we as Christians pray for these issues, Satan cannot stand against us. Satan cannot stand against us. We are a fait accompli if we are active in prayer. And that's what we need to be doing as a church. Again, first for the Holy Spirit to cause a revival or for a revival to bring back the Holy Spirit and once that happens, all the other dominoes are going to fall, folks. It's actually, when you look at, at who is standing against God, it's laughably pathetic that they even think that they can stand against God. But they think they can. And again, I'm going to now get into how this plays out in the material world and in the world of politics just to, to, to let you know what's going on. Because you need to know what's going on so that you know what to pray for. I've got a story here from Breitbart, and I'm sure some of you have already heard, that the House Republicans, as expected, caved in to the Biden regime and have voted 
for the laughably named Fiscal Responsibility Act. Everything that we saw played out, I mean, from the very beginning, folks, when, when it first appeared in the headlines about the increase in the debt ceiling, this, uh, this ending was guaranteed, okay? I knew from the very beginning, when they started talking about the debt ceiling, that the Republicans under Speaker McCarthy were going to cave. I knew it. It was just a matter of when. Okay. And the press would have us believe that that all of these negotiations and 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 a lack of negotiations, the standoff and all of this stuff was about whether or not the bill was going to be passed. That's not what it was about, folks. The bill was going to be passed. It was going to happen. McCarthy was going to cave. He was absolutely going to cave. It was a matter of the, because the real negotiations were actually going on in the House. The real negotiations were actually going on between the Rhino Republicans and the uh, and and the conservative Republicans, the MAGA Republicans. That's where the real negotiations were happening. All of this stuff talking about how, oh, Joe Biden's not going to negotiate, and, and oh, Joe Biden had better negotiate. Oh, we're the Republicans, and he'd better be because we're in charge of the House. And, and them making it look like it was an issue between McCarthy and, and Biden, that was political theater. That was nothing more than political theater. McCarthy was, gonna, was going to cave to Biden. That was a given from the very, very beginning. It was going to happen. The real negotiations were going on between the rhinos and the conservatives and the whipping process that was going on in the House to try to get the conservatives on board. To give the MAGA conservatives just barely enough to get enough of them on board to be able to pass the bill. As evidence of this, you look at how many Democrats voted for this bill. And that tells you exactly what you need to know. Whenever you have a situation that is quote-unquote Whenever you have a bill that is quote-unquote bipartisan, that means that it is bad for we the people. Just as this bill is bad for we the people. We are getting fleeced again by the federal government. And this takes us one more step to that national divorce that I've been talking about for some time. Anyway, here's the story. The House voted by an overwhelming majority Wednesday to increase the debt limit in exchange for Republican-backed measures 
to rein in spending. The bill, called the, quote, Fiscal Responsibility Act, and that's another thing, folks. Whatever bill, whatever a bill is named in Washington and increasingly in state legislatures as well, whatever the bill is named, it is the exact opposite of what it says. Okay. All right. The bill called the Fiscal Responsibility Act passed 314 to 117 and will now head to the Democrat-controlled Senate for consideration. And the Democrat-controlled Senate, by the way, the Republican leadership in the Democrat-controlled Senate, the, the so-called leadership, uh, Mitch McConnell, the rhino, has said that he will already, it will already be passed. It's going to go through, which tells you everything you need to know about this bill. If Mitch McConnell is for it, if he supports it, then it's a bad bill. And this is going to become bad law. 149 Republicans and 165 Democrats voted in favor of the legislation, a wide majority from both parties, which again, folks, indicates that this is a bad bill. The Democrats did not cave here, folks. The Democrats never cave. The Democrats, one thing I can say for them is that they always work in solidarity because they are a hive mind and because they are receiving their orders from higher up. The Democrat representatives do not think for themselves. They do not make independent decisions. They are told by their political machine what they are going to vote for, and that's what they do. They do not, they do not represent their constituents. They don't care about their constituents. They are fleecing their constituents just like they're fleecing the rest of the American people. Rhino Republicans are exactly the same. The only difference between the two is that they have an R behind their name instead of a D. There is zero difference, ladies and gentlemen, between a Rhino Republican and a Democrat. Zero difference. Instead of the term Rhino, I actually like the term that Dr. Steve Turley, who is on... YouTube and BitChute and I believe Rumble as well. Um, and, and if you haven't looked him up, look him up. It's Steve Turley, Dr. Steve Turley. Uh, he calls them Diablos, which is Democrats in all but label. And that's what they are, folks. This is a uniparty. We do not have a two-party system in the United States, certainly not in the uh, federal government. There is no two-party system in the federal government. That ship is gone. It has sailed a long, long time ago. Anyway, the high-stakes vote which summoned members back to Washington during Memorial Day recess week had represented Republican leaders, or had presented Republican leaders, with their most difficult whipping challenge yet, given the party's general aversion to raising the national borrowing limit. There... That party, the Republican Party, has no aversion to raising the debt limit. None. They have absolutely. If they did, then they wouldn't do it. Okay? The only reason that they did is because 
they got enough personal gain, personal gain, money, power from this bill that they decided, okay, we'll go ahead and vote for it. They are corrupt to the core. Kevin McCarthy is corrupt to the core. And any member of Congress, including the representative from my district and Dan Crenshaw, I. Patch McCain, are dirty. They are dirty as hell. So, the, the, the Republican Party, in, at least in the federal government, has no problem with increasing the debt limit because they always do. Every single time. There has never been a time that they didn't. Uh, let's see. Quote, Today, the House passed the largest deficit reduction package in American history. End quote. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy, Republican California, and the rest of the GOP so-called leadership said in a joint statement, quote, taxpayers will save an estimated $2.1 trillion and Congress will spend less money next year than this year for the first time in a decade without adding new taxes on families. That means that they're going to get the money in another way. That just means that they aren't going to be taxes directly. You see, they have inflation. And inflation, ladies and gentlemen, is a de facto tax. Inflation is a de facto tax, so they don't have to pass a bill that will increase our taxes. All they have to do is increase the rate of inflation and our taxes go up. As was pointed out by uh, Representative Kennedy. What is it, Senate? Is it Senator Kennedy? Representative Kennedy. Hang on. My apologies. It is Senator. Senator John Kennedy from Louisiana. He just recently said that uh, unless the average American got a 15.3% pay raise this year, the inflation rate caused by the Biden administration's massive printing of money, constant printing of money, then uh, they have lost money. So if you didn't get a 15.3% pay raise this year, then the Biden administration has stolen money directly from you. And I don't know about you, but my pay raise this year wasn't anywhere close to 15.3%. So, that's how it is a de facto tax. It takes money away from you without having to overtly take money away from you. So when they say, oh, we won't increase taxes on you, we're so wonderful, we're so great, they don't have to. They already have without passing a single law. They've done it through the Fed. In the leadership on Wednesday, McCarthy and Joe Biden 
engaged in days of intense negotiations. Again, there was no intense negotiation going on between these two. It was really just a matter of, of uh, you know, how are we going to structure this deal so that we can get enough MAGA Republicans to cave? That was what Joe Biden and McCarthy were talking about. All this other stuff about, oh, Joe Biden won't negotiate on their side, and then, oh, Joe Biden better negotiate on Kevin McCarthy's end was just theater. That was just to pretend. It was to get the Democrat base fired up for, for Joe Biden, and it was to get the Republican base fired up uh, to try to support Kevin McCarthy, and then to call their representatives and say, oh, you, you've got to... You've got to be with McCarthy. He's standing up to Joe Biden, and, and he's just being so cool, so you have to support him. The whole thing was, was theater just to put pressure on MAGA Republicans to make Kevin McCarthy look like a tough guy and for his base and to make Joe Biden look like a tough guy for his base. It was all theater. There was no major negotiations going on between them at all. For months prior to that, Biden refused to negotiate again theater, with the Republican-controlled House at all. But in the face of GOP passing its own debt increase proposal in April, which they should have stuck with. And this is the thing, and I said this back in a previous episode. The, the thing to watch, and I said, I said this, the thing to watch to see if McCarthy and the Republicans were really on our side we're really on the side of we the people is this debt limit. And if the Republicans were willing to shut down the federal government, 100% shut it down, except, of course, for those things that are essential. If they were willing to do that, then they're on our side. But if they cave like they did, they didn't even try. They passed this bill in April, which was, I guess, a pretty good bill. And they did that again to show the, the Republican voters, oh, look, we've passed a bill and we're, we're being tough and it's a tough bill. We're going to defund all the IRS agents. They funded them. And we're going to we're going to, uh, you know, defund the, uh, the new FBI headquarters in Washington, D.C. They funded it. And, and we're going to, you know, defund Christopher Wray's FBI unless we get cooperation from them in our investigation. They funded it. All of it's funded. Everything that they said they were going to oppose, they, they went ahead and, and funded. Again, it was all political theater. All for your benefit. Okay. Asked at a press conference this week about his vows not to compromise on a debt ceiling increase, Biden said, if you want to try, blah, blah, blah. And I translate, if you want to try to make it look like I made some compromise on the debt ceiling, I didn't. And he's right. He didn't. I made a compromise on the budget. And, and there he's just parsing. But he's, he got exactly what he wanted. 
Biden got exactly what he wanted. Biden did, Biden gave up nothing. Absolutely nothing. We the people lost on this one. 100%. He urged the resulting agreement to pass through the House and Senate so that he could sign it in time for June 5th. The very fact that Biden is in support of this tells you it's a bad bill. Again, if the Democrats voted for it, it's a bad bill. If Biden supports it, it's a bad bill. If Mitch McConnell supports it, it's a bad bill. Republican leaders, so-called leaders, have characterized the deal as a win after leveraging their narrow majority. And this has always been a, an excuse of the Republicans for their failure. Always. Whenever they hold the House, they always say, well, we, we have only a narrow majority in the House. And, and if they have a large majority in the House, they say, well, we don't hold the Senate. And if they hold the House and the Senate, they say, well, we don't hold the presidency, so we have to cave. And if they hold the House, the Senate, and the presidency, they still cave. The Republicans, the Republican Party, is not, the federal Republican Party, is not on your side, folks. They are not on your side. They do not have our best interests at heart. They are not working for we the people. They are working for themselves. And in many cases, they are working directly for the World Economic Forum. Uh, let's see. McCarthy called it the largest savings in American history. Ladies and gentlemen... <laughs> The fact that he can say that we have increased the debt ceiling, but we're saving money, is a joke. Something that my father has said and, and drilled into me for many years since I was a kid is you cannot save money by spending Money. And you definitely, ladies and gentlemen, cannot save money by increasing your debt. This is insanity. Nobody could run their home or their private business the way that the federal government is using our money and running our government. Nobody. No private corporation, no private individual, no family could run their finances the way that the federal government does. They would, they would go into bankruptcy instantly. This is insanity. This is fiscal insanity. And again, like I said... This, economically, is a very large step towards what I think is an inevitable national divorce. I think it's inevitable, and, it, and I honestly, I think it's necessary. Now, the, the method through which I think it is necessary is an Article 5 convention of the states, where the states come together 
and rewrite the Constitution, dissolving entirely the federal government as it currently exists and reforming it as it was designed to exist originally under the Constitution with even more severe limits to its power. That's what needs to happen. And we have enough support, I think, for that now. We're getting to the point where we have enough support for that, where we're going to force this issue. And whether or not whatever happens after that is hard to say. It's kind of foggy. But I think we're headed in that direction where the red states just take over, where the states exercise their power under the Constitution to say that's enough. We are reining you in. And that's what has to happen, folks. And it has to happen from the grassroots. And I've said this before many times. The way to con- we have to get control of the federal government by getting control of our states. If we get control of the states, then we can force the issue with an Article 5 convention. However, we've got rhinos in our states, too, you might point out, and correctly so. My representative in Austin is a rhino, 100%, scumbag rhino. And so what do we have to do? Ah, well, we, the people, where we have the actual power is in the counties. We need to take over our counties. And this is their weak spot, folks. This is their weak spot. I've talked about the spiritual stuff and you need to get praying and I'm absolutely 100% and that is the most important thing. But another thing to get politically active is you need to look and see and, well, you need to get involved directly with your party's county precinct. The, the, and this is their weeks. This is their huge weak spot. If we can take over their county, the county precincts, the county precincts are who controls who gets put up to run. And if, if you would go to the, uh, the, the, normally they have a spreadsheet of county precinct chairs. The vast majority of them, or a large portion of them, are empty. And if you have an empty seat in your precinct for a chairman, and you're MAGA, you need to volunteer and get involved. You need to volunteer, get involved, take over that county. Because if you take over the county, then you take over the state. You take over the state, then we can take over the federal government. We can take our federal government back. All right, there's that. And in a little bit further prognostication, I will say that that is, that is the thing... Something similar to that perhaps is the way it's going to work out, because if that's what happens, I can guarantee that the federal government is going to 
try to declare the Article 5 Convention of States unconstitutional, and that's going to force the divorce. It's like, okay, well, fine. If you're not going to participate, if Washington, D.C. is no longer going to be a part of the United States as it was formed under the Constitution, then you're out. Goodbye. Go do your own thing. And I think that's how it's going to, I think that's how it's going to break down. Something along those lines. There could also be a secession angle. That's still a possibility as well. We're actually debating that in Texas as we speak. Although it's held up in committee by the rhinos, I think that's going to become more and more of an issue, especially because of stuff like this. And we're going to get back to this right now. All right. We produced a bill that in a divided government takes a step towards smaller government. No, it doesn't. Less regulation. No, it doesn't. More economic growth. No, it doesn't. And more take-home pay. Absolutely does not. And unlike previous speakers, you don't have to pass the bill to find out what's in it. Ha, 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 McCarthy said. That's a lie, too. <laughs> That's an absolute lie, too. Every, every single syllable of that statement was a lie. The speaker had, to, uh, had fulfilled a commitment established during the speaker race in January to allow members 72 hours to read the 99-page bill, well, it's better than a 5,000-page bill, before casting their votes on it. Although two-thirds of the Republican Congress, uh, conference ultimately supported the bill, GOP leaders were up against fierce opposition from within the party after some argued the legislation was insufficient. Quote, I don't want to create a new baseline in terms of spending in this country, end quote. Representative Harriet Hageman, Republican Wyoming, told Breitbart News. I also don't like the fact that we're just simply spending the debt through a certain date rather than by a specific amount, she added. See, that's another trick that they pulled. They, they have these accounting tricks that they use to, to ultimately get whatever they want anyway. They're going to get what they want. They're running things in Washington, D.C., folks. We're not. We have zero control over what goes on in D.C. And that, that's a damn shame. That's a damn, but we've allowed it. We allowed it to happen, ultimately. We, the people, allowed this situation to occur. I, I do like Harriet Hageman, though. She is awesome. And what she's talking about when it comes to baseline is, is baseline spending. The way that it works is, like when the Democrats say, oh, the Republicans are going to cut Social Security. What they mean is, that the, the Republicans are going to increase Social Security less than we want them to. But they're still going to increase it. So that's what they call a cut. When they say cut in Washington, D.C., what it means is a, a smaller increase than what we want. So they artificially set a higher baseline Instead of going with the baseline that they had last year, they increase the base. Say they want to increase the baseline spending, 
by uh, 20%. But the Republicans say that they only want to increase it by 10%. The Democrats call that a 10% cut. It's not a 10% cut. It's a 10% increase. But it's not the 20% increase that they wanted. House Freedom Caucus members were some of the most vocal opponents, which tells you this is a bad bill. And urged Republicans to reject it, arguing it paled in comparison to the GOP preferred bill that had passed the House in April. Although no Democrats supported the bill, the fact that no Democrats supported the bill that was passed in April tells you that that was a good bill. One caucus member, Representative Ralph Norman, Republican South Carolina, was asked by a reporter if he would rather default. And that's another false thing there, folks. The, the, this threat that the United States is somehow going to default. It can't happen. That's impossible. Okay, the United States can't default. We bring in enough in taxes to cover all the necessary stuff. What they're talking about when they say default is that you're not giving us what we want. The default is a bugaboo. It's a boogeyman. It doesn't exist. It's a lie. It's another part of the whole theater. It's it's a straw man. It doesn't exist. There would have been no default. There would have been a shutdown of unnecessary spending is what it would have been. That's all. (sighs) Anyway, Norman was asked by a reporter if he would rather default than vote for the McCarthy-Biden deal, to which he replied, I'm willing to take that risk. He, and this is why, drives me freaking nuts. He should have pointed out the fact that there's no such thing as default. It wouldn't have happened. Instead, he's going along with the premise. If you go along with their premise, then you are telling them that you tacitly agree with the premise. This is a, this is a lesson in argumentation. What he should have said is, I do not accept the premise that we would have defaulted in the first place. Because we wouldn't have. We are bringing enough in in federal taxes right now to cover all of the necessary, uh, all of the necessary functions of the federal government. There would have been no default. We would have been able to pay on our debt. We would have been able to pay off the interest on our debt with what we've got coming in right now without increasing the debt limit. Folks, you cannot pay down debt by increasing debt. And this is the concept that they're trying to sell to us. The only way that we can pay down our debt is to increase our debt. The only way to pay down our debt is to increase our spending. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Again, you couldn't do this in your household. You couldn't do this with your business. It doesn't work that way. They do not live in a reality-based world. 
economically. They are intentionally spending this country into disaster. There will be an ultimate default and an ultimate destruction of the U.S. dollar because of what they are doing. That is their intention. One of the necessary things that they need to do to hand the United States over to the World Economic Forum is to cause its economic collapse and make us dependent upon a one-world government. That is their intention. And the Republicans are going along with it. And this... And he, he just goes right along with the premise. I'm willing to take that risk. Take the risk of what? What risk? There's no such thing as default. What are we risking? Why did he go along with the premise of the question? And, and the press constantly is doing this. They ask questions based on a premise that is false. And very rarely do we see our representatives attacking their premise and saying, well, the premise is false. I don't accept the premise, and I can prove the premise is false. So the question is moot. It's a question based on a risk or, or a threat that doesn't exist. Whenever somebody in the press or anybody else, uh, like a politician or, or anybody, whenever they start a statement or a question with, given that, and then follow it up with this, that, or the other thing, you need to be looking at this, that, or the other thing. And if this, that, or the other thing is wrong, then you can say, well, I do not accept that as a given. Now, given that the sky has turned purple and alien uh, aliens are falling out of the sky and possessing our uh, house pets, uh... Why do you not support increasing the debt limit? That's what this, that's ultimately what this reporter was asking. And he just goes right along with it. I'm willing to take that risk. Because the country is in deep financial trouble. And, and, and again, okay, his sec, the second part of his statement, because the country is in deep financial trouble. How? How is the country in deep financial trouble? Explain it. Be specific. Or don't talk to these people. None of these congressmen are under, under any obligation whatsoever to talk to these people. If this is a news outlet that you know spreads communist propaganda, don't talk to them. They're going to write what they're going to write anyway. Don't waste your time talking to them. God, these people are stupid. Default's not going to happen, Norman added. Your presumption is that we're going to default. They're, they're not. Democrats can't take that risk. It's Biden that left the bargaining table for 97 days. See, he goes partially there by saying your presumption is we're going to default. He, he kind of goes partially there, but he still acknowledges that the threat of a default exists. It doesn't. It never did. 
if they don't pass a debt limit increase, it's not going to cause a default. If they don't pass an omnibus spending bill, it's not going to cause a default. And we're going to get into that a little bit later, too. Some hardline veteran conservatives such as Representatives Jim Jordan, Thomas Massey, and Tom McClintock, and others, however, were uncharacteristically supportive of the bill. That tells me that they've been bought somehow. Or that they've been sold a bill of goods that ain't going to happen, which we're going to get into right now. Also, Breitbart, exclusive Republican leaders detail how debt ceiling will enable appropriations process as a power tool to defund Joe Biden's agenda and woke policies. Oh, big talk. This is the conservatives. These are the conservatives that caved. These are the MAGA the so-called MAGA Republicans that have caved to the rhinos. These are the ones that gave in so that this bill could pass. And now what they are doing is they are coming out and they are trying to placate their base to tell you how, oh, this is a good thing. We got a lot of stuff out of this bill. Ho, 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 ho. We're still supporting you. No, they're not. No, they're not. House Republican Conference Chair Elise Stefanik House Judiciary Committee Chairman Jim Jordan and Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene. I've been suspicious of her for, for a little bit now. Explained how the debt ceiling would enable Republicans to have leverage during the upcoming spending battle to combat President Joe Biden's agenda and other woke policies. Well, if you actually wanted to do that, then you wouldn't have voted for this bill. Stefanik, Jordan, and Green spoke to Breitbart News ahead of Wednesday's pivotal vote on the debt ceiling. And so, so they're actually coming out and, and telling Breitbart, we're going to vote for this. The legislation would cut the deficit by $1.5 trillion over the next decade. No, it won't. According to the Congressional Budget office. The Republican lawmakers explained that the debt ceiling legislation contains a crucial Republican provision. Oh, this is crucial. Crafted by the rules, uh, rules committee member Thomas Massey that would automatically pass a continuing resolution with a 1% across the board federal government cut if Congress fails to pass the 12 separate appropriations bills which the Constitution stipulates. They're, they're making this sound like it's good news. It's, it's not good news, folks. It's not good news. Let me explain what this is. This, this is very similar to, if you will recall, way back when Barack Obama wanted to cut a deal with Iran. Or actually what he wanted to do is make it look like he was being tough on Iran while at the same time giving Iran access to nuclear weapons. The famous Iran nuke deal. Now... In order to do that, 
Barack Obama needed the support of the Senate because no treaty with another nation can happen without it being ratified by the Senate. So what the Senate did, what the rhinos in the Senate did, with the help of uh, John McCain, the King Rhino himself, John McCain, and uh, the King Diablo, honestly, John McCain, and of course uh, our King Rhino here in the state of Texas, the scumbag piece of garbage John Cornyn, the Senate crafted a bill that basically turned the uh, the constitutional powers of the Senate when it came to treaties on its head. That basically said, as long as the Senate doesn't vote against it, the president can do it. That's not the same thing. It's not the same thing. And this is not the same thing. What this says here is that a continuing resolution, which I maintain is unconstitutional, will automatically pass. So they will automatically pass a spending increase. They will automatically pass a funding of the federal government, a funding of the IRS, a funding of the ATF, a funding of the woke agenda of Joe Biden will automatically pass. with a 1% across-the-board cut. And again, I've already told you what they mean when they say cut. That just means that it will be a smaller increase than what they wanted. If Congress fails to pass the 12 separate appropriations bills, which the Constitution stipulates. And, and so now the, the idea here being what they're saying is, oh, well, through these 12 appropriations bills, we can cut all of the funding for the, the FBI, uh, the new FBI uh, headquarters in Washington, D.C. Or, uh, and, and we can cut uh, funding to all of these woke things with all of these appropriations bills. This gives us the power. It puts the power in our hand. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. Look at how this is phrased. If Congress fails to pass the 12 appropriations bills. So that means if the MAGA Republicans stand up and say, we're going to defund all of this stuff, and then the rhinos and the Democrats come together, which they will, against the MAGA Republicans and say, we're not going to pass that. That means that Congress will fail to pass those 12 appropriations bills. It's going to happen. And if Congress fails to pass those appropriations bills, well, the government gets their money anyway. With an increase. I know they say it's a 1% cut, but it's not a 1% cut. And because it is a, uh, a, a continuing resolution, 
the 1% cut that's across the board won't be specific to any given issue, like the ATF, like the IRS, like the FBI, like the woke agenda. This is Congress giving up their power over the executive branch financially. This is the House giving up their power of the purse over the federal government. That's what this is. This is giving Joe Biden every damn thing he wants. That's what this does. And these, Elise Stefanik, Jim Jordan, Marjorie Taylor Greene, no longer on our side. I'm calling it. They are no longer on our side. They are rhinos. See, and I've said this multiple times too. You send somebody to Washington, D.C., it doesn't matter how good they are. doesn't matter how clean they are. doesn't matter how much they support you or any of that stuff. How good their intentions are. When they get to D.C., the swamp will corrupt you. The swamp will corrupt you. I'm telling you, folks. They've got the CIA and the FBI and the IRS. They've got these agencies. These are the agencies that are running stuff. The very second that somebody appears on their radar politically, they know everything about them. They will know everything about you. They have your phone, they have your computers, they have your buying and spending habits through your credit history, your, your bank statements. They have access to all of this. All, all of this stuff about being able to, oh, they can't access that without a, a warrant or stuff. Well, we've already seen how that works with Trump. They'll just fake it to get a warrant. All they have to get is a judge that's already on their side, a corrupt judge that's already on their side. They can get whatever they want, folks. Ain't nothing stopping them. The federal government is entirely out of control. So even if you're a solid MAGA Republican, they're going to find something on you. And if they can't buy you, they will blackmail you. And if they can't find anything on you, they will make something on you. They will fake something on you. We can see that happening right now with President Trump. And I've got another example right here. Also from Breitbart. Republicans cry foul as the Biden DOJ targets West Virginia governor's family. Republicans are crying foul following the news of President Biden's DOJ targeting West Virginia Governor Jim Justice's family. Justice, who is also a GOP Senate candidate hoping to unseat Democrat Senator Joe Manchin, and they need Joe Manchin. If they lose Joe Manchin, it's a very strong possibility that they could lose Joe Manchin. Joe Manchin is a very important very important to the Democrats, because if they lose him in the Senate, then 
the Democrats lose the Senate. And if the Democrats lose the Senate, that puts pressure on Mitch McConnell that he's actually going to have to lead. And there are arguably enough conservatives in the Senate that they could get rid of Mitch McConnell. So Joe Manchin is key. He's key to the rhinos. Mitch McConnell wants Joe Manchin to stay in. Mitch McConnell wants the Republicans to stay in the minority. He wants the Democrats to control the Senate. Uh, Justice, who is also a GOP Senate candidate hoping to unseat Democrat Senator Joe Manchin, is the latest to experience political targeting from Biden's DOJ as it has filed a civil complaint against his family's coal empire. Over a dozen coal businesses ran or owned by his sons, Jay Justice, citing repeated violations of the law in hopes of recovering what the assistant attorney general of the DOJ's environmental or environment and natural resources division, Todd Kim, described as penalties they owe as a result of those violations. Now, he says they're violating the law, but he's not going after them criminally, which means there's no violations of the law. He's going after them civilly. He hasn't got any evidence. See, the difference between criminal and civil court is that in a criminal court, you have to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that the person did this thing. In a civil court, you do not have to prove that. You just go with a quote-unquote preponderance of the evidence. So in civil court, it's easier to prosecute somebody and to get something, which in civil court is fines. It's money. Case in point, what they just did in Manhattan to Trump with this woman's sexual assault lawsuit, for which there was zero evidence. It was ridiculous how stupid this was. But because it was a New York court, a liberal New York court, even though they couldn't prove that that Trump had even met this woman, they gave her a, a huge settlement from Trump. So in a civil court, you don't have the same kind of, uh, of, of requirements for proof that you do in a criminal court. And that's why they're doing this. That's why they're going after this, th these guys civilly, because they don't have any evidence criminally. They just have what they have to do is what they're trying to do is and they're going to try to drag it out as long as they can. This is for putting political pressure on uh, Mr. Justice, Governor Justice, to drop out of the race or at least to tar him enough that he would lose the race. This is this is um, it's not blackmail. It's extortion is what this is. Uh, our environmental laws serve to protect blah, 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 said Kim. Through this suit, the Justice Department seeks blah, blah, blah. U.S. Attorney Christopher R. Kavanaugh for the Western District of Virginia claimed defendants have, in, uh, quote, engaged in over 130 violations of federal law. Well, if they have, then go after them criminally. If they violated federal law, you got to go after them criminally, right? But they're not. 
Uh, today, the filing of this complaint continues the process. My point being is that if you pose a threat to the system, they're going to come after you. Again, if they can't buy you, if they can't find anything upon which to blackmail you, then they're going to come after you. They're going to use the Justice Department. They're going to use the justice system to come at the so-called justice system. They're going to use their thugs in the judicial branch to come after you, either criminally or civilly. And, and see, with 130 complaints, they can spread that out into 130 different lawsuits. Each individual lawsuit, the defendants, Mr. Justice, Governor Justice's sons, are going to have to defend each individual one. They're going to have to pay money, massive amounts of money, for each individual lawsuit, which is potentially economically ruinous for them. This is not a government, ladies and gentlemen. The government of the United States has fallen. It fell under Barack Obama. An argument could be made that the beginning of this fall began under Woodrow Wilson, actually. A good argument could be made for that. I'm not going to get into that. But it, it really completely fell under Barack Obama. But the setup has been going on for a long, long time because we, the people, took our eyes off of Washington, D.C. We stopped holding them accountable. We got lazy. We delegated our authority to the legislature, and the legislature then got lazy and delegated their authority to the executive. And now we have a the federal government uh, has become a criminal empire. It is the largest organized crime syndicate, arguably in the world, and the most powerful. That's all it is, folks. And we have to change it. We, the people, have to change it. This is why I think not only culturally is there such a huge divide in our nation, but politically, there is a huge divide in our nation. And this, again, is why I think that a national divorce of some kind is inevitable. I, I think it, we're at the point that it's, it's going to happen. And I think it's probably going to happen sooner rather than later. It may, be, it may end up being a function of the 2024 election, which is already rigged. The Democrats are already acting like it's rigged. Their puppet, Joe Biden, they've decided he's their guy. They're not going to give Democrat voters the chance to vote for anybody else. There aren't going to be any debates. They're not even going to hold a primary. The Democrat machine, or more precisely, the people pulling the strings of the Democrat machine, George Soros, Klaus Schwab, they've decided that Biden is their guy. They like the fact that they can get whatever they want done through him, and he can bumble around and shake invisible people's hands and trip upstairs 
And to them, it's just a joke. They're laughing at the American people right now. They're laughing at us because we have such an incompetent moron as president of the United States that they installed there and we haven't done anything about it. And as far as they're concerned, we can't do anything about it. So they're going to keep him there because they're getting exactly what they want. They don't need to replace him with anybody. They don't care. They're getting what they want. Keep the puppet in place. So the Democrats aren't, you know, their election's already decided. They're keeping Biden in. I was wrong previously when I said, and, and there might be a, a part of the Democrat Party that's worried. But the only reason they would be worried is if an election would be fair. Folks, the very fact that they're leaving Biden in place is that they know the election is not fair. The very election that Biden is not right now going around and holding rallies to support his reelection like Trump is, is because the 2024 election has already been decided. And that's why I think it could be the 2024 election that pushes things over the edge and the passage of this ridiculously named bill uh, doesn't help the situation very much. Now, again, I remind you, I'm not telling you these things so that you could be discouraged. I'm telling you these things so that you can be aware so that you can know what's going on. The very reason that we're in this mess in the first place is because we stopped paying attention to what's going on. And now we've got a bunch of Christians out there that are so-called Christians that are out there saying, oh, well, you know, the Bible says that the certain bad things are going to happen, that we're going to suffer, and this kind of... You don't suffer unless you have to suffer, Jack. Even Jesus said, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, thy will, thy will but my, not my will, but thine be done. He suffered because he had to. You don't suffer unless you have to. Well, you know, unless you're David Goggins, and that's, that's a whole other story. You can also suffer to make yourself hard, intentionally make yourself tough. But that's a different story. You, you can't just see these things and sit back. We have allowed this stuff to happen over years and years and years of neglect. We have neglected. We, the people, have neglected our responsibility. We, the people, are supposed to be in charge of this country. If you're in charge of a country, you have to be actively involved in its governance. And we have not been actively involved in our governments. We've just said, oh, we'll just send whoever up there. And whoever starts voting himself money. And he starts voting himself a system that will keep himself in power. Like Nancy Pelosi. For decades. You're not going to get a person like that to vote against themselves. When they've got all the money in power. We shirked our responsibility. 
we put that system in place. And now we've got to take it down. We do not have a federal government anymore, folks. That is a criminal syndicate. They are operating 180 degrees out of phase against the Constitution of the United States and against we the people. They are out of control. Politically speaking, we need an Article 5 at the very minimum, very minimum, we need an Article 5 Convention of the States. So like I said, you go to your county, you go to the, the Republican Party's website in your county, and you look up what your voting precinct is, and you see if that precinct has a captain. Or I'm sorry, you see if that precinct has a chairman. And if that precinct doesn't have a chairman, you apply for the job. And if the precinct does have a chairman, then become a block captain. If we don't get involved, nothing's going to change. That's politically speaking. Spiritually speaking, we also have to get involved. You can't just sit there and go, oh, we were made to suffer. Suffering is going to come. Yes. Suffering is going to happen. Yes. But, but not... You can't just sit there. Nowhere in the Bible does it call us to just sit and be victims. It doesn't. It's nowhere in there, folks. Nowhere. The Bible calls us to stand firm. We have to stand against this stuff that's happening to us. Stand up. Start acting. Start praying. Get active. Satan is on the move. Pray against Satan. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. All of the stuff that we're seeing politically and culturally is a function of what is happening happening spiritually. You really want to dig at them? Go after the demons that are pushing this directly. Pray against Satan and his forces directly. You're allowed to do that. I've said this so many times. I said it in this broadcast, and I'm going to say it again. If you are a Christian, if you consider yourself a Christian, and you're not praying, you're wrong. Fix yourself. All right, folks, that's it for this particular episode. I've gone a little bit over. But that's okay. I got my point across, and that's what I wanted to do. If you like what you heard, then share this out there. Share this podcast episode out there. Let your friends and family know. And if you didn't, tough. If you didn't, or you did, and you have a question or a comment, 
You can send it to Doc Bryant Show. That's all one word, Doc Bryant Show at ZohoMail.com, Z-O-H-O-Mail.com. You can catch my videos on Odyssey, O-D-Y-S-E-E.com, BitChute.com, B-I-T-C-H-U-T-E, BitChute.com, and Rumble.com. And uh, a lot of times my videos will contain stuff that's not in the podcast and vice versa. Podcast will have stuff that's not in the videos. All right, once again, I want to thank you for listening, and I will talk to you all later.